a chart on the daily infographic website, the following list called the world's most expensive meals. At the Fiji Maki Gekyo restaurant in Tokyo, you can get a bowl of ramen for $110. Oh, that's nothing. The capital dog, spelled D-A-W-G, in Sacramento, California, serves up the ultra dog, the world's most expensive hot dog, at $145.99. In Scotland, you can order a bottle of end-of-history beer, which is a, a Belgian ale packaged inside taxidermied squirrel carcasses for $800 or up to $1,110. I wouldn't pay 50 cents for that. <laughs> the Westin Hotel in New York City offers a white truffle bagel that sells for about $1,000. A bagel for one grand. For $1,000, New York City also boasts the Golden Opulence Sunday, which includes rare cocoa beans harvested off the coast of Venezuela. At $2,000 a slice, or $16,000 per pie, you could enjoy Britain's Wagyu meat pie and its savory combination of six pounds of Kobe beef and matsutake mushrooms, which sell for $910 per pound. For a limited time offer, you can go to Pizza Ranch and get that this afternoon. <laughs> a little cheaper. And in Italy, Chef Viola's Louis Thirteenth pizza, loaded with lobster, caviar, eight different types of cheese, and seasoned with hand-picked pink Australian river salt, sells for $12,000. That is, the world's most expensive meals. And yet you can add all of these meals together and their price, and their worth and their value, and they would, they would pale in comparison to bread. To bread. Oh, not just any kind of bread. What kind of bread am I talking about? I'm talking about the bread that was sent from heaven. And that meal, as valuable and as expensive as it may be, is free. The story we're going to look at this morning talks about bread and how the people of Israel received that bread the most expensive meal, most valuable food ever. For those of you who have not been coming to our church, we've been going through the book of Exodus pretty thoroughly. We have arrived to the part where the plagues of Egypt are going to take place. God's judgment on Pharaoh and on Egypt because he would not let the people go to worship the Lord. We're going to skip over that. And we now come to the place where God is leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. They're a saved people. They've been delivered. They're his people. But now he's going to lead them through the wilderness by a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. And as they journey, they come to a place where there's no food. And this is where we pick up the story in Exodus chapter 16, verses 1 to 36. So the question that the text raises is this, was, what is it 
about God's daily provision of bread sent from heaven that God wants us to know? That's the question of this text. Number one, God's daily provision of bread sent from heaven comes in a gracious and miraculous way, verses 1 to 5. And they, the children of Israel, journeyed from Elam, that's where the place where they had received, been blessed with water and had shade, palm trees. They just experienced God's blessing. They journeyed from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt. This is one month later after they have departed Egypt. They've been saved for one month. They went to the wilderness of Sin. This is not a reference to a violation of God's moral will. This is an abbreviation for Sinai. They're going to Mount Sinai. On the way there, they go through the wilderness of Sinai, the wilderness of sin. So this is happening one month after God delivered them. Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, to Moses and Aaron, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. And it shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. I said... The first point was that God's daily provision of bread sent from heaven comes in a gracious and miraculous way. It comes in a gracious way. It is evident in verse 4, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. Now, in order to see this and understand this, you have to be familiar with the judgment of God in Exodus. One of the plagues that God sent to Egypt was the plague of hail. And if you read in Exodus chapter 9, God rained down hail on the people of Egypt because they were disobedient. Hail was an act of judgment of God for their disobedience. And so we see here that the children of Israel are complaining because they have no food. And they're complaining to Moses and Aaron. And so you would think that God now is going to act in judgment on the children of Israel for their not being grateful for what God is doing on their behalf. But instead of, God, instead of God raining down hail on them, he rains down bread from heaven. This is an act of grace. God is giving the people of Israel what they do not deserve. Grace. God's provision of bread sent from heaven is a gracious provision. People say in the Old Testament, it's simply a book about God's judgment, that God is harsh in the Old Testament. Here is a prime example of God being gracious to a people who do not deserve it, right here. He rains down bread. The author obviously wants to show a contrast between what God is doing with Egypt and what God is doing with his people, and he's being gracious to his people. Not only was the bread that came from heaven gracious it was also miraculous in verse 5. And it shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. So what's going on here? 
We haven't read it yet, but as we continue to read, you will see that the children of Israel have been instructed to go out into the fields and gather an omer of bread. Say, what in the world is an omer? An omer is a unit of measurement, and it equated to about roughly two uh, quarts. So the children of Israel have been instructed to go out every single day in the morning and gather two quarts of bread. That's what they're going to get. The author here is focusing on a particular day, the sixth day. What is it about the sixth day? They're going to go out and gather as they normally do, but when they find out, when they go to prepare the meal, they're going to find out they're going to have twice as much. How do they get twice as much? They're going out gathering what they would typically gather for one day throughout the rest of the week. But on the sixth day, as they prepare the meal, it's going to multiply miraculously. And it'll be twice as much because they're not supposed to eat on the Sabbath day. That's a day of rest. So the Lord is providing them with sustenance miraculously. And so we see in this passage that the daily provision of bread sent from heaven is gracious and it's miraculous. Now we live on the other side of the cross. And so we should see this fulfillment in Jesus. Is Jesus not called the bread of life? Verse 32, John 6, 32 to 35 says this, Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he. The bread of God is a person. The bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. That is grace. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. This is God's grace, sending Jesus as bread to the world. But it was also miraculous. John 6, 114 is the account when Jesus multiplies and feeds 5,000 people. A little boy has five barley loaves and two fish, and Andrew the apostle brings the little boy to Jesus, and the little boy gives him five loaves and two fish. He gives it to Jesus, and what does Jesus do? He multiplies it. How did he do that? Miraculously. Anybody who was living in Jesus' day at the feeding of the 5,000 should have immediately connected what he was doing with what was going on in Acts chapter, Acts, in Exodus chapter 16. The two are linked together. Jesus says to his disciples in Matthew chapter 6, give us this day our daily bread. Why did he say that? He's referring to Exodus chapter 16. That's where he got the idea from. So we learn that God's provision of bread sent from heaven is both gracious and it's miraculous. God wants us to know something about bread or else it wouldn't be in the Bible. There's something important about this bread, and we know that it is Jesus. Number two, God's daily provision of bread sent from heaven reveals God's glorious presence to a complaining and disobedient people, verses 6 to 10. Then Moses and Aaron said to all the children of Israel, At evening you shall know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your complaints against the Lord. But what are we that you complain against us? 
Also, also Moses said, This shall be seen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the morning, and in the morning bread to the full. For the Lord hears your complaints which you make against him. And what are we? Your complaints are not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses spoke to Aaron, Say to all the congregation of the children of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your complaints. Now it came to pass, as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. The coming of bread and the glory of the Lord are happening simultaneously in the coming of the bread. The Lord wants us to know in the coming of the bread, there is a glorious appearing of Almighty God with the bread. And there will be complaints. Now, is that true of also of Jesus, since we've already learned that he is the bread of life? Did we see Jesus come in glory? He didn't come in glory. He came in humility. But there was a time when his glory was revealed ever so briefly. And we have that account in Matthew 17, 1 to 6. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And while he, Peter, was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud, Exodus, overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid because they got a glimpse of the glory of the bread of Jesus. If anyone questions that interpretation, the apostle Peter who was there tells us firsthand in his own words what his experience was like. In 2 Peter 1, 16-18, for we, Peter says, we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty, of his splendor. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory the Father. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Clearly, God's daily provision of bread reveals God's glory. But notice in Exodus, the people were complaining all the time. Was that happening to Jesus in the New Testament as well? Read John 6, 41 to 43. The Jews then complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? Then how is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said to them, do not murmur among yourselves. It is exactly the same language in Exodus chapter 16. They were grumbling, they were murmuring. The glory comes down from heaven. The people were complaining in Exodus, and they're also happening, the Jews were doing that when the true bread of heaven came down. All of this simply to say that God's daily provision of bread sent from heaven reveals God's glory to a complaining and disobedient people. Thirdly, God's daily provision of bread sent from heaven will sufficiently, sufficiently meet the needs of all of his people. Verses 11 to 21. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, I have heard the complaints of the children of Israel. Speak to them saying, at twilight... 
you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God when I do this. And so it was that quail came up that evening and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay all around the camp. And when the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance, as fine as frost on the ground. And so when the children of Israel saw it, they said to, know, they said to one another, well, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, this is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather it according to each one's need. One omer for each person according to the number of persons. Let every man take for those who are in his tent. Then the children of Israel did so and gathered some more, some less. And so when they measured it by omers, he who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. Every man had gathered according to each one's need. And Moses said, let no one leave any of it until morning. Notwithstanding, they did not heed Moses, but some of them left part of it until morning, and it bred worms, and it stank. And Moses was angry with them. So they gathered it every morning, every man, according to his need, and when the sun became hot, it melted. Clearly, the emphasis is on need. And if there was ever a need for bread Today is the day for bread. There are many people who are hurting out there right now because of what's going on in our nation. They're hurting. They're hungry. They're looking for something to eat. And the most valuable, precious food that is available is bread. It's not the list. It's bread. And it's free. Not cheap. Very costly but free. And people need that bread. And it is the church's job, your job, my job, to live lives so that when we speak the truth concerning Jesus Christ, it will be believed and they can receive that bread. Just that, like that young lady that you shared the gospel with had coffee, but you gave them bread and she didn't even know it. Fourthly, God's daily provision of bread's sent from heaven, will be a sweet experience for those who partake of it. Verses 22 to 31. And so it was on the sixth day that they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one, and all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. Then he said to them, this is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake today, and boil what you will boil, and lay up for yourselves all that remains to be kept until morning. So they laid it up till morning, as Moses commanded, and it didn't stink, nor were there any worms in it. Then Moses said, Eat that today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. Now it happened that some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? For see, for the Lord has given you the Sabbath, therefore he gives you on the sixth day bread for two days. Let every man remain in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. And the house of Israel called it the name manna. And it was like, what was, what was this bread like? It was like white coriander seed, and the taste of it was like wafers made with 
honey. This bread that they were eating was sweet. It was pleasant tasting. And in a day in which there's so much bitterness, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the bread came down from heaven when they experienced it. That's what the term taste means. And the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. To taste something means to briefly experience something. When one's truly experienced the one raised from the dead, it is sweetness to the soul and to the mind. There's no other food that is offered that can do that. None. Psalm 34.8 says, Oh, taste and see who is good. The bread is good. That the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. 1 Peter 2, 1 to 3 says this, Therefore, lying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, all evil speaking, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted, if you have experienced, that the Lord is gracious. God's provision of bread sent from heaven will be a sweet experience for those who partake of it. Jesus is bread. Jesus says these words, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. The bread is sweet, and it is nutritious, and it is good. And we need it to sustain us and to give us life. Each and every single day, it is a daily provision. Finally, God's daily provision of bread sent from heaven must be partaken of and preserved so that God's people always remember how dependent we are on God for our life and for our salvation, verses 32 to 36. Then Moses said, this is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Fill an omer with it to be kept for your generations as a memorial, as a witness to them, that they may see the bread which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, take a pot, put an omer of manna in it, and lay it up before the Lord to be kept for your generations as a, as a testimony, as a memorial to future generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron laid it up before the testimony in order to be kept, to be preserved. And the children of Israel ate manna for 40 years until they came to an inhabited land. They ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. Now an omer is one-tenth of an ephah. Here we clearly see that the Lord is telling the Israelites that this bread is not only to be eaten on a daily basis, it needs to be preserved as a testimony so that people will know and be reminded continuously of what I have done for you. Isn't that is the whole purpose and meaning of communion? Do this in remembrance of me? It's exactly what they're doing, and we celebrate communion just like they were remembering and eating the food that was giving them life. We celebrate communion. It is fundamental for the church of Jesus Christ to be mindful of the bread that came down from heaven. And it is communion that we celebrate today. The bread 
the valuable bread that we partake as a community of believers, the church of Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 11, 23, 26, we have what's called the words of institution. This is a New Testament counterpart to what the Israelites were doing when they preserved bread and put it before the testimony as a witness to future generations and to be reminding of themselves of what God has done and what he has provided for you and for me. The Apostle Paul writes, For I receive from the Lord that which I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in memorial and remembrance of me. Don't forget it. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it. Why? To remember me, what I've done for you. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Every time we celebrate communion, the act of celebrating is a testimony to you and to me and to the whole world of what Jesus Christ has done in coming down from heaven as bread to save us and to nourish us and know that he's coming again in glory, not as a humble baby in a manger. The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? The cup that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? Brothers and sisters, these are the gifts of God for the people of God, for you and for me, because the bread of heaven graciously came down to save you and me, and we need to be reminded of this all of the time. That's why Jesus told us to do it, Remind, reminding us of the bread, the costly bread, but the free bread that is offered to you and me. We have new people in the church this morning. We celebrate and practice open communion here at Countryside Covenant Church. Simply means that if you have believed the Lord Jesus Christ to be the Savior of your soul and to wash you clean of your sin, you are more than welcome to celebrate communion with us. I would just ask that you hold on to the elements so that we can partake of them together. And we do have some gluten-free for those who need gluten-free bread. I would like to ask now Judy and Linda to please come forward in the distribution of the elements. Brothers and sisters, this is the bread of God that has come down from heaven for you and for me. Let us partake together. Brothers and sisters, the blood of Christ that was shed on the cross so that our sins may be forgiven. Let us drink together. Would you please pray with me? Gracious Father, you are gracious Father. We have seen, Lord, how gracious you are, both in the Old and New Testaments, in providing us bread, bread that we need, bread that came down from heaven, that is glorious in the midst of our complaints, that fulfills our every need, meets every need, that is sweet to the taste and needs to be eaten and practiced continually as your people, always being reminded of the price that was paid for our redemption. 
It's because of you, Lord Jesus. And we just ask, Lord, that your glory that is revealed concerning your son, Lord, would be manifested in us and through us as we die to the self. As John said, may I decrease so that you may increase. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this gift of bread, the most expensive food there ever was and ever will be. And help us, Lord, to feed on it and help us, Lord, to dispense that bread so that others may experience the sweetness of you. And when that happens, Lord, we will give you all the glory and all the praise, for you alone are worthy of it all. And it's in your son's precious name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. I will ask that you please stand for our final song, our worship song, Show Us Christ. Again, please stand if you are able. Where else can we go, Lord? Where else can we go? 
Just a reminder that we are taking a free will offering for Taylor and Ellie, so please give as the Lord leads. We've been given the best food ever, ever, and we celebrated that today. Jesus Christ is the bread of life, and no one and nothing compares. May that be impressed upon your heart and mind this week, that Jesus Christ is life. Death is only for a moment. Life in Christ is forever. Praise God. Receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, and may you experience his peace. Now go in peace. Amen.